Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Thanks, worship team. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1151 in that Bible. We are coming to the end of our series that we've called Spring Training, where just like the baseball players go and they get in shape and they get ready uh, for the season to come, we've been talking about getting spiritually in shape. How are we doing in our spiritual journey? How are we growing in becoming more like Jesus and in following after him? Our key verse has been 1 Timothy 4, 7, train yourself to be godly. And uh, it's not something we can do by ourselves. We can't just by our own discipline and efforts make ourselves more like Jesus. That's a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But what we can do is partner with the Spirit and connect with the Spirit so that that work can happen. And so we've been talking about things like prayer and scripture and other people and what, just what are different ways that we can uh, grow in Christ-likeness and continue in our spiritual journey. So as we jump in, we're going to wrap this up uh, next week, and then we'll get into some different stuff as we get ready for summer, because summer's almost here, guys. We're so close. Uh, just a few weeks left. We've talked about this before. Uh, green olives are the most divisive issue of our time, and it's just a matter of there doesn't seem to be any middle ground, right? You, people seem to love them or hate them, and for some people, they are uh, glorious, salty pleasure uh, that make everything taste better, and for some people, they're just bitter, and, and we try to get our kids to like them because I like them a lot, and my kids hate them. Uh, and we remember Kaylee, we gave her one when she was about three, and she just said, it tastes angry. Um, and, I, and I get it. I understand that. Uh, so how many pro-green olive people do we have in the room? Uh, how many anti? Yeah, the antis have it for sure. That was the same in the first service. It's not, uh, it's not good for those of us who like them. Cilantro is another one like this. And cilantro is weirder to me a little bit because I love olives, but I get it's a very specific taste. But cilantro, people who love it say, oh, it's, it's light, it's refreshing, it's summery, it's, it's citrusy. Uh, it just adds flavor to everything. And people who don't like cilantro, I've talked to, and they say things like, oh, it tastes kind of soapy or rotten. Like, it's a complete completely different world uh, for some people. So how many pro-cilantro people do we have in the room? And anti? That's uh, a bit more even, actually. Um, and so, I mean, we can't control these things, obviously. We are wired the way we're wired. We don't have any control over our taste buds. And, and it's not that one's better than the other, if you're pro or anti these things. But we're just different. And, and we know that. We're just wired differently. So, now, political parties. So, how many? <laughs> no, we won't go there today. But I will say, make sure you vote on Thursday. Make sure you do your homework. I'll never tell you who to vote for from this pulpit. I always feel like that's a bit manipulative, but I will encourage you to pray about it, do your homework, and get out there and vote. That's your role as a citizen and as a Christ follower to seek the Lord in his wisdom. That's important. But we will not dive into a show of hands this morning. That's what Thursday is for. St. Irenaeus said that the glory of God is man fully alive. Mankind, not just men. But the glory of God is man fully alive. That when we as people uh, are at our best, when we are full of the Spirit, when we are joyful, when we are peaceful, uh, when we are thriving in our jobs and in our relationships and in our family, when we are at our best, that glorifies God. And when we as Christ followers are at our best, there is a way that that can point others to Jesus because when we are fully alive, when we are at our best, when we are thriving in life, that's the type of person that other people take note of. 
And then they say, why are you that way? What is it about you? It's a way we can let our light shine for Jesus in this world. The glory of God is man fully alive. And even as we talk about that, uh, we can all feel alive. We can all thrive in different ways. It's not going to be the same for everybody. Uh, there are different ways that we are filled with the Spirit. There are different ways that we feel close to God. There are different ways that we pray. There are different ways uh, that we find joy in life. It's not going to be the same for every single person because we are wired and built differently. But part of what we've been talking about throughout this series is that it's connecting with God that leads to our refreshing, our renewal, and our transformation. Again, I can't transform myself, but as I connect with Him, as I connect with His power, the Holy Spirit does His work in my life. And so the heart of this series has been, how can we help you connect with Him more? Through prayer, through scripture, through community, uh, through other things, through listening and obeying. And so how do you connect with God in your life? And it might not be the same as your spouse or your kids or the other people sitting in the pews with you. We all connect with God in different ways. But connecting with God is going to help bring us to that place of feeling fully alive. And, and our souls will be refreshed and renewed. We will be changed into the image of Jesus as we connect with him. And so today we're going to talk about the different ways that that can happen. And wherever you feel close to God in your life, you're going to hear me say this word a lot today, unapologetically pursue what brings you close to the Lord in your life. Let's take a look at our text today. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we are starting in verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So there are a million things we could pull out, and we won't do that because that would be mean to you this morning. But lots of good stuff. That's a great passage just to pray through and meditate on and think about and do some homework on. But this picture that we're given in Scripture, one of the most famous pictures of what church is supposed to be like. Uh, this picture that the church, this family, is meant to function like a human body. In the sense that the human body is one body made up of many diverse parts. And it's this beautiful picture of both diversity and oneness. 
that we are united as a church family as one under the fact that we all bow to Jesus as Lord, that Jesus is the head of this church. And so we are united by our devotion to follow after Jesus and to worship him. And yet within that oneness, there is this incredible diversity uh, of personality, of gifting, of place in life, of age, of maturity, of gender, of race, of everything that makes us different that gets united together by the Holy Spirit uh, into one family. And our job, and it's a bit of a tightrope, is to unite in that oneness without losing our diversity. Uh, to unite as one and to walk in unity while at the same time understanding that everyone in this room is going to be a little bit different than you and have different opinions and different personalities and different gifts, and that's not a bad thing because God has made us different for a reason. We are diverse, and in our diversity, we bring a lot of different things to the table that are beautiful and glorious when they're united in the oneness of Jesus as Lord. But it takes some maturity for us as individuals to be able to say, uh, I'm going to respect that you're different than me. And even if we say that in our heads, ultimately, I tend to think that my way is the right way. Right? The way I approach things is the right way to do it. And so we all need to wrestle with that kind of natural tendency that we have and to be able to say, even though that's completely different from how I would do it, or your approach is different, or your gifting is different, or whatever, that I honor that in you. My way is not the right way. We're just different from one another. If we can't get on the same page about green olives, right? If some of us feel that that's just an explosion of deliciousness, and if some of us are wrong, if we can't even agree there, then we can have some grace for the fact that we are wired differently by God. It has been intentional on his part, and it is beautiful on his part. And he puts us all together in this body, and we can all learn from one another and, and bring something to contribute and also learn from what others are contributing. And so as we're talking about God and wrestling through this idea of the body of Christ and connecting with him, not everybody connects with God the same way. Not everybody feels close to him in the same way. Not everybody feels their soul refreshed or stirred up or restored in the same way. Not everyone is refilled by the same spirit in the same way. Even if it's the same Holy Spirit, we might have different ways that we get refilled up. And so over a couple of thousand years of church history, this idea came up that is sometimes called the spiritual pathways or the sacred pathways. And these are different ways that we connect with God. And so we would say emphatically that Jesus is the only pathway to God. Uh, that's a core element of our faith, that Jesus is the one way to know the one God. Jesus is the one way to heaven. Uh, and so this isn't stepping on that at all. There is one way to know God, and that's through Jesus. There is one way to salvation, and that is Jesus. But that being said, there are many different ways to connect with that Jesus. There are many different ways to feel close to him. And so this idea of spiritual or sacred pathways came up. The justice pathway, worship pathway, contemplative pathway, relational pathway, intellectual pathway, creation pathway, and serving pathway. And each of these ways are different ways to feel close to God. And every one of us will have probably a couple of things on this list where you say, yes, I feel close to God there. Uh, that is a place where I connect with God that might not be the same for somebody else. And so very early in my Christian walk, I learned that worship was a place where I really 
it felt close to him, and I encountered him, and I learned to, to hear his voice and to spend time in his presence. And it took me a while to realize that not every other Christian on earth was having that same experience. And to realize that where I felt close to him in worship, others were feeling just as close to him, uh, enjoying creation. And so the idea of the diversity of the body of Christ is we are not all wired the same way. Uh, but it is the glory of God to see us fully alive. And we're going to feel fully alive in different ways. But whichever place in your life where you feel close to God, wherever you feel your soul stirred up, wherever you feel his presence and sense uh, just time with him that's important, wherever that is, unapologetically go there in your life. Carve out space in your life to connect with him. So we are going to fire through these really quick today. I preached on these a few years ago here at Meadowbrook, and we took a few weeks to go through it. We're just going to whip through them quickly. So if you were here a few years ago, this will be a refresher uh, and a reminder. If you're new to this, uh, just be listening as we go through for which of these sounds like me? Which of these sounds like uh, I might be wired that way? And we're just praying that God's going to show us something about ourselves today. We are all called to do all of these things ultimately, but each of these things is going to be a, a key meeting place with the Lord in our lives for some of us. And so we're listening for that. So we're just going to uh, walk through them quickly today, briefly. So the justice pathway. These are those who would say, my soul seeks to right what is wrong. There is something within Justice Pathway people who say, uh, give me a cause to fight for, give me someone to defend, give me someone to help, uh, give me a law to, to change, give me uh, something that I can do. I want to, to change the world for the better. And where there's poverty, we're going to go after poverty. And where there's sin, we're going to go after sin. And where there's legal stuff, we're going to go through legal stuff. And uh, it can look a lot of different ways. For some people, it's as simple as uh, I'm going to go and just be with people who are on the margins or people who are struggling uh, you know, with poverty. I'm just going to go in and love them and spend time with them. Or it can be I'm going to try and tackle the problem. I'm going to try and create a solution uh, to help people who are in poverty. Or maybe it's I'm going to you know, work at the level of the law and I'm going to agitate for change uh, at the, the legal level. Or, or there's a lot of different ways it can look. Um, but people who are on the justice pathway love scriptures like this, Proverbs 21, 15. When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous. And they say, yes, when wrongs are being righted, when, when people are given a push forward in a good way, when we are dealing with the problems in our society, there is something about that. The people on the justice pathway love to see Jesus uh, rebuking the corrupt Pharisees in this religious system. They love to hear Jesus talking about take care of the people on the margins and those who are are the least among us. And however that manifests, uh, there's something in the justice pathway that says, I just want to, where there is wrong, where there is sin, where there is hurt, I want to go there, and I want to work to make this world better. There is something within them that wants to do that. We see a lot of this in the prophets of Scripture. And Amos is a good example. Amos was a shepherd by trade, uh, but was full of the Holy Spirit. And in the time of Amos, uh, Israel is thriving. It is booming economically. There is wealth everywhere, except not really everywhere. And so people are rejoicing that God is blessing them with all of this wealth. And Amos is this kind of agitating, nagging voice on the margins, led by the Lord to say, Israel, you are wealthy on the backs of the poor. You are wealthy because you're not paying your workers good wages. You are wealthy because you are not doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And the prophets would come and call Israel constantly back to justice and back to rightness. Uh, so if you're a justice-minded person, Amos is a fun book for 
you to wrestle through. Amos 5.24, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream, and justice people say, yes, Lord, let that happen, and let me be a part of it with you, because I feel close to you. When I'm fighting for a cause, I feel stirred in my faith and my soul. I feel refreshed and renewed. I feel alive when I'm fighting for something. And so people on the justice pathway uh, bring a lot of benefit to the body of Christ, to the family. Because where we might naturally tend to just focus on being comfortable and doing our own thing, justice people keep these issues in front of us. Uh, and it's sometimes kind of a in, a, in an agitating or even a nagging way, but they keep us focused on justice and God's heart for justice, uh, that there are people am among us who are suffering and who are struggling. Uh, there are systems in place in our government and, and even in our churches and denominations that uh, don't always take care of people well, and so we want to always make sure that this is staying in front of us, and so justice people keep us moving in a really good way and keep us reminded of what's important in God's heart. We're Worship is a second pathway. My soul seeks to meet God through praise. Uh, there are, we are all called to worship. Nobody's off the hook in worship. But for some of us, worship becomes a key place that we encounter God. Uh, it becomes a place where we sense his presence, where we feel, again, stirred up and refreshed and renewed. Uh, Psalm 22, 2, this is the King James translation, says, The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. God dwells in worship. And worship people say, yes, that's where I meet with him. That's where I feel him close. That's where uh, I feel alive. That's where I'm filled with the Spirit. We see a great example of this in David, who is just such a fascinating mix. David was both the manliest man in Israel uh, and also this really gentle, poetic type. And you don't often see that together in one person. Uh, he's this warrior of warriors, brave and fearless uh, when the Lord is with him, and yet also writes these beautiful love songs to the Lord. Uh, and many of the Psalms come from David. And David just uh, kind of creates this picture of just spending time in God's presence with this harp and just singing, uh, engaging with God in that way and feeling alive, feeling refreshed and renewed. So people on the worship pathway, um, worship's going to be a key meeting place for you and Jesus. And, and that's good. That's not a bad thing. Unapologetically pursue that in your life. And worship people bless the body, partly by leading us in worship, uh, partly by doing that. And for those of us for maybe whom this isn't our pathway, we're still called to worship. And so we can be inspired by other worshipers who, who lead the way in that sense. But worshipers, just as a posture, uh, because they're always in a worshipful pose, they're always looking to Jesus, they bless the body in that way too, by helping us uh, constantly fix our eyes on Jesus, remember his ways, his perspective. They constantly keep us uh, focusing on, is this right to do in, in God's eyes? And so uh, their worshiper hearts are a benefit to us there. So if you're a worship pathway person, unapologetically, beyond just Sunday mornings, unapologetically Apologetically, carve out places of worship in your car, on your walk, in your home. Uh, go meet with Jesus there by all means. The contemplative pathway, this is probably more for introverts in the room. Uh, my soul connects with God in the silence and the solitude. That there's something about uh, turning off all the noise of life and especially getting away by ourselves where we are able to uh, just to feel his presence a little more, uh, to meditate, to have, you know, light bulbs of inspiration, uh, to get some quiet time. And so if you're introverted, this is probably you. Uh, introverts love this verse from Matthew 5, or sorry, Luke 5, 16, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And introverts say, ha, in Jesus is an introvert. Look at that. That's so introverted behavior right there. 
Jesus pulled himself away from the crowd and got to a quiet place by himself, by himself and spent some time with his heavenly father. And so there is something in the contemplative introverted soul that actually will not feel right if it's around people and activity and noise too much. Uh, it's just not good for the introverted soul. You need that quiet time to feel refreshed. And so we say with introverts, uh, we all need people as well, and we'll come back to that in a second, but an introvert will often not have their best God moment on a Sunday morning. Uh, they'll take it all in, and then they need to go away and contemplate and meditate, and they might have their best God moment from a Sunday on a Tuesday afternoon as something comes to mind or something clarifies in their thoughts or something gets revealed to them in a new way. And so there is a, a space for this uh, for all of us, whether you're an introvert or not, uh, to spend some time alone and to seek God in that way. But for a contemplative person, uh, that'll be crucial to just your sense of well-being in your soul. We have an example of this with Mary. In the Christmas narrative, in Luke, in Luke chapter 2, uh, all sorts of things have been happening, right? Gabriel shows up in a divine pregnancy and a delivery, and then there's angels, and then there's shepherds coming, and they're worshiping. All of this is going on. There's prophetic words and all these things. Uh, it says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, and that's a contemplative Attitude. She's not trying to figure it all out right away. She's not trying to talk it out with her friends like an extrovert word. She's just taking it all in, and she's meditating. She's contemplating. She's working it through by herself. Uh, she is figuring these things out. And so contemplative, uh, introverted people, it's interesting. I'm an introvert myself. Introverts often don't speak up in the body of Christ and often don't uh, always want to participate or share because they are more private. But introverts, we need you to speak up because there's blessing that introverts bring to the body. Uh, introverts bring thoughtfulness. They like to think things out before they do things. They like to plan things through. And that's something that we always need in life. And so there's benefit that introverts can bring. And there's benefits that extroverts can bring too, which we'll get to in a second. But if this is you, if you are more in a contemplative pathway type, uh, again, unapologetically, make sure you carve out alone time. Uh, because your soul will be refreshed there, and you will meet with God there, and you will feel alive there as you make sure that happens. And that can be tough when there's work, and there's kids, and there's activities, uh, but make sure you do that. Carve out that time by yourself. The flip side of that, this will be for extroverts a little bit more, is the relational pathway. My soul seeks to spiritually journey with other people, whereas the introverts may have their best God moments by themselves. Extroverts will probably have their best God moments through conversation, through praying with others, through Bible study with others. Uh, uh, they need that stimulation of people and action and activity in order for their souls to feel the way they're supposed to feel. And so uh, relational people love to see uh, stories like we see in the book of Acts, Acts 2, 46 to 47, that every day the early church continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That's one of many places in the book of Acts that talks about just the gathering, the community, that Christians were together all the time, not just on Sunday mornings, but they were gathering for meals, and they were gathering for prayer, and they were gathering for Bible study, and so there's this deeply relational thing that happens in the church and is meant to happen in the church, and part of it is the body of Christ metaphor that we've read about today is that you can't, even if you're an introvert, you can't encounter God entirely by yourself. You just can't. You can't learn about him by yourself. You can't always just pray by yourself. We all need other people, and relational people remind us of that. Jesus, even as he withdrew to lonely places to pray, also spent a tremendous amount of time with the twelve and with the crowds. He was highly relational as well. So extroverts like to look at that side of Jesus and say, aha, he was an extrovert after all. 
Uh, and he was probably both, being the complete man. He probably had a little bit of everything. But people on the relational pathway uh, remind us of how we need each other and remind us of how to pour into one another. Uh, they bring hospitality to the body of Christ. They bring warmth and love and invitation. They bring uh, care and concern and so many different things. And so we need the contemplative and the relational together. We need introverts and extroverts together. Uh, introverts will make sure we think things through and we take some time to process and we, we give good thought to these things. Extroverts will make sure we get things done and that we're moving forward and that we're bringing people along. And so both sides are crucial. And whichever way you land on that, we need you for sure in the body of Christ. And we can learn from the side that's different from us as well. The intellectual pathway. My soul seeks to encounter God through learning. Uh, the word intellectual just means we're using our, our brains. It doesn't mean you are an intellectual or a scholar or a straight-A student or anything like that. It just means encountering God through the intellect. And we all have to do this, of course, to some extent. But uh, these are ones who just love study and love learning, love reading often, not always, uh, but love reading or if not reading, then listening to sermons or whatever else, uh, just finding time there where they can just completely give themselves over to uh, seeking to understand more. And as understanding comes, people on this pathway just live for that light bulb of clarity. I've learned something new, and learning something new brings me closer to Jesus. It makes my soul feel alive. And so they love verses like Matthew 22, 37, where Jesus is talking about how to love God. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And people on the intellectual pathway say, yes, my mind. I can't check my brain at the door in the name of faith. I have to engage with logic and with reason and with understanding. And as I understand more, I feel closer to God and I grow in that. Solomon in the Old Testament is a good example of this. And Solomon had wisdom that came from God. Uh, but Solomon was brilliant in the things of the, the Lord, obviously. He wrote Proverbs and different things. Uh, but Solomon also uh, was a brilliant political leader and a brilliant economist. And he knew a lot, the scripture says, about birds and plants and all kinds of stuff. He was just a learner. He was just a lifelong learner. And as he did that, he glorified God with his life. Uh, as he was able to pursue that. And so people on the intellectual pathway uh, bless the body of Christ by bringing uh, teaching a lot of the time. These are often teachers. As they learn things, that learning overflows to others, even if they're not uh, formal teachers, uh, just often are just kind of uh, letting what they're learning spread. Uh, they keep us on track. They keep us in line with Scripture. They make sure our theology is solid. And so uh, it's an important role for sure uh, to have teachers and people who are helping us all grow in our learning. And so if you are on the intellectual pathway, again, unapologetically carve out time for learning in your life. Make sure you are reading or taking courses or whatever you're doing to stretch yourself because you'll feel close to God. When you do that, your soul will feel alive. Uh, you'll connect with him as you do. The creation pathway, almost done. My soul seeks God through experiencing nature. Sarah and I have a friend uh, who was in our wedding party, a friend of Sarah's, uh, and she used to say to us, you know, natural beauty is just like oxygen for my soul. And I thought, you are a hippie, and that is a weird thing to say. 
and I had not encountered this teaching yet, and, and this is not my pathway, but, uh, but that's what she was getting at. She was getting at this. It's just there is something about uh, enjoying the creation that uh, isn't just about I see the beauty of it and it's beautiful, but it's about honoring the God who put it all together. There is something about creation that uh, just points us to him in an amazing way, and scripture bears that out. Romans 1.20, Paul writes, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen. Through the creation, the invisible God has been revealed. Being God is being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And so Paul is saying, even if you don't know God personally, uh, you can look at what has been created and acknowledge that there is something powerful, something divine here. And so for people on the creation pathway, uh, they need to walk in the woods. They need to be out in the garden. I have a friend who used to love cutting his grass, and he would just say, there's just something about the fresh air and the sky and everything that just, just fuels me. It makes me acknowledge him in new ways. And so we see Jesus often using elements of creation to point to God, and we see the psalmist do this as well. Psalm 36, 6 in the King James, thy righteousness is like the great mountains, thy judgments are a great deep. That means the ocean, O Lord. And so the psalmist is looking to the creation and letting it inspire him about who God is. Something of the mountains reminds me of you, God. Something of the ocean is speaking to me about you, God. Not ever getting to the point of worshiping the creation itself, but allowing the creation to point us to God, just like we could allow a worship song to point us and draw us close to God. So people on the creation pathway, uh, they need to get outside. They just need that. It's part of their walk with Jesus. And so uh, these are the ones who, as winter's coming to the end, are starting to get antsy because they've been inside too long, and they need to get out, and they want to see the flowers, and they want to see the forest, and they want to see a lake, and want a vacation in places that are physically beautiful, and, and take some time to do that. And again, if that's you, unapologetically get out there. And let your soul be stirred, and let it draw you closer to Jesus. Let creation testify of the glory of God in your life. Make room for that there. Uh, they help us, the rest of us, by reminding us uh, that God is there, and creation points to him. They also tend to remind us uh, that we are called to steward this planet. And we don't talk about that a lot in evangelical Christianity in North America. But the planet was given to us to take care of, and we don't often do that. And people on the creation pathway can remind us of that and keep that in front of us as well. Last one, the serving pathway. Uh, my soul seeks ways to help others. Something we're all called to serve, but for people who are on this pathway, it's uh, a driving force in life to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Just give me a need that I can step into and help. Give me a practical way that I can help. Uh, they're often uh, very humble, and Scripture says in Galatians 5.13, serve one another humbly in love. They're often wired that way. Uh, and so I said in the first service, we have a team of deacons here and many other areas as well, but uh, the deacons do so much practical help behind the scenes. Whenever there's sickness, whenever there's a funeral, whenever there's a crisis, they are there. Uh, and such is their personality that they don't like the fact that I just mentioned them because they don't want any attention. They just want to serve and help in practical ways behind the scenes let us do our thing, but they feel close to Jesus. They feel like him. 
as they do that. And just as I can help, uh, that draws me close to Jesus, who was also a servant. Jesus was not a top-down leader saying, do what I say. Jesus washed feet and said, you guys now go and wash feet as well. So Jesus was a servant, and people on the serving pathway feel they're most Christ-like when they're serving. They feel just fulfilled and close to him and alive as they do so. And so in terms of the practical side of things, they bless the body uh, by serving, obviously. They, they make sure things get taken care of and needs get met. Uh, they also challenge the rest of us, because even if we're not a serving pathway person, we're all called to serve, and we can be inspired by the examples of our deacons and our trustees and lots of different teams in this church who serve behind the scenes and do amazing things. And if this is you, where you just feel alive when you're helping, again, unapologetically go and find need. There will never be a lack of need, uh, both inside and outside the church. And so go and, and meet with Jesus as you do that, unapologetically. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here. So I went through those quick. Uh, if you want to Google it, you will find much more information. There's a book called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas that's really good. Uh, and he, go, he takes a bit of a different approach, but he goes into similar type things. Uh, if you have any questions at all, we have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca. We'd be happy to keep chatting about this with you. In terms of next steps, in terms of where do we go from here, and again, we whip through those really quickly, and I get that. But uh, we went through seven different pathways today. And, and that's not an exclusive or exhaustive list either. Uh, when I taught on this a few years ago, somebody came to me and said, uh, I really feel close to Jesus and stirred up. Uh, I'm an artist, and when I'm engaging in art, uh, I just feel close to him there. Another person whose job uh, involved designing things said, when I'm designing, uh, I feel really close to him there. And someone else says, when I'm working with kids or I'm working with youth, uh, I feel close to him there. I feel alive. I feel stirred up. I feel refreshed. Uh, and so whatever it is, on this list or off the list, whatever draws you close to God, whatever draws you close to Him, unapologetically go to that place in your life. We don't call this place the sanctuary anymore, uh, and churches do, and that's fine. Uh, and it's a hard habit to break because it's the sanctuary uh, for most of us. But um, sanctuary means holy place, and a lot of churches are just trying to get away from the fact that this geography is especially holy. This place is special because we gather here together and the Holy Spirit meets with us as the people do. But we can meet with the Holy Spirit anywhere, and we can meet with Jesus here. These become sacred places in our life. Where as we're fighting for a cause, or as we're worshiping, or as we're spending time with him alone, or as we're engaging with people, as we're studying and learning, as we're experiencing his creation, or as we're serving one another, those become meeting places for us and God in our lives. So whatever is on that list, and there's probably at least a couple for all of us, whatever other things might be there that are off that list, people say physical exercise does that for me. Uh, whatever that is, unapologetically go there and connect with God there and be refreshed and renewed in your soul there and let the Holy Spirit do his work there. Seek him in your life and watch what he does as we do. So not everybody's on the worship pathway, uh, but we're going to worship today before we go. And so if this is you, then you're going to have a great encounter moment with God. If this is not your pathway, be stretched and encouraged and challenged by those who are on that pathway. Because the other side of these is being challenged and stretched by those who are different than us. So I'll ask you to stand to your feet as we get ready to close in worship. Amen, amen. On the cilantro note, real quick, uh, my wife comes to the understanding that all people that like cilantro should be sent to an island and stay there the rest of their days. 
So in our family, cilantro, we don't get to use it very much. I hope you're encouraged by today and that as you figure out how God has wired you to be, and a great discussion to have even today with somebody is to ask them what they see in you as you talk about over this over lunchtime and, and ask the Holy Spirit to continue to show you and how you can connect deeply with Jesus because the heart's cry of church here is for you to get connected to Jesus and to stay close to him. So be encouraged by that. And thank you for the word today, Pastor Chris. And as you go out this week, we pray that as you connect with the Lord, that he would give you a great week, but he'd also stretch you, as was mentioned, uh, to see what other people are doing as well and to see how we can expand our horizons a little. Uh, after service as well, we offer prayer time. This is a great time to pray into this as well. As you're trying to figure this thing out in your life, there'll be people up front that are trained, that can pray with you as well. We encourage you to come up front and receive prayer. And as people are coming forward, if you want to visit and hang out, we want you to do that. But if you can do that in the hallway, in the foyer, so we can create a place of ministry here. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we can come together like this. And as we go into this week, Lord, show us on how we can continue to connect with you and to just dig deeper into the way you've wired us, Lord. Give us opportunities to use those gifts and the connecting time as well with you. And Lord, as we go into this week as well, give us opportunity to bless you, to serve your kingdom, to, to be stretched, to have conversations with people that may cause us to be uncomfortable, but it builds your kingdom. So give us that, Lord, this week. And for those who are visiting today or trying to figure out where they stand with you and trying to figure out faith and what it means to follow you, Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name that you reveal yourself to them so mightily, so deeply. And Lord, as we leave today, I pray that we'd have a week that just honors you and builds your kingdom. Thank you for each one here. Thank you for our family, for our friends, and for another day of life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday, Meadowbrook.